Oh, hey, Graham. How's it going? Oh, hey, David. It's going well. Hey, uh, I, I got a joke for you. I figured. <laughs> you you want to hear it? Yeah, let's go. Okay. All right. What do you do if you see a spaceman? What do you do if you see a, a spaceman? Yeah. What? We're parking it. Oh. All right. This is the kind of joke I like. I'm on board with this joke. <laughs> this one gets a six from me. Oh, okay. That's that's good. That's solid. I, I appreciate yeah. that. I, You know what, Logan? Give us a good uh, extra long celebratory sound effect here. Thank you. Yeah. What you got, yeah, Graham? That, this, is, this is a yes for me, dog. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, so, David, I, I was remembering something um, from a long, long time ago. So, like, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. um, I used okay. to refuse to eat oatmeal. Um. What really? Uh, yeah, I guess I was just incorrigible. Uh, can we go back and talk about oatmeal? Um, <laughs> you know, I I don't mean to brag. But I think I think mine might be might be better this week. Mm, so, uh, would you give I me? I don't know about that. You give me a six point gave... five. Mm-hmm. A six. Um, five five point five. Again, that, that's incorrigible. Right. I'm gonna yep. give you a two. I'm not gonna be mean about it, but you know, you know what? Enough of the nonsense. Let's get on with the nonsense. Welcome back to Withy Windle, a whimsical interactive show for kids who love stories, words, and grown worthy jokes, featuring your favorite authors and illustrators. It's part book club, part game show. It's a adventure into the wild world of wordplay. I'm David Kern. And I'm Graham Pittman. And you are listening to the... Wait, wait, wait what is this, Graham? The, the fourth the f- episode fourth? of season five? Yep. Fourth of the fifth. The fourth of the fifth. You know, we've been doing this for a while now. You know, and uh, you think we should keep going? I mean, we'll stop someday, but today is not that day. Okay, so, so go on with this episode, you're saying? Just like, let's keep going? Well, maybe you want to ask this every week. Maybe we'll just revisit and then uh, we'll just end <laughs> one of the podcasts at like minute 12. <laughs> yeah, no. eventually the kids will just be like, no! No, no. This will ne- we will never stop. We will. This Wait, is my I- promise to you, kids. We will never, ever stop uh, ever. It, except between seasons. Yeah, and then probably when we we do stop, then we'll stop. Yeah. yeah. At the time when we eventually do stop, yeah. Hey, you know, we should probably talk about this week's guest, eh? Oh, yeah. Who is it? Jasmine Warga is our guest this week. Mm-hmm. She is a wonderful author. We're going to tell you more about her in a little bit. What are the other segments we've got, Graham? Uh, we got snack time coming up. We got a uh, lazy word. We also have... Oh, oh you did bring the lazy word. You, you... Yeah, yeah. It's in my okay, lazy okay. word uh, satchel. And then uh, okay, we got a great. story. Uh, I'm hoping you have some sort of riddle for the end. And uh, that'll take us You'll all the way up. You'll never know. Until you do. I think I will know, yeah. Well, judging by the panicked look on your face, I do know. <laughs> no, I have a riddle. I promise I have a riddle. Is it a good okay. riddle? You'll never know. Hey, before we get into this episode, let's tell everyone about that, that book that we have been telling people about that we happen to work on. It's a book mm. that is perfect for our listeners who like knights, princesses, and wizards. 
Our friends over at the Cersei Press have a new collection of Arthurian legends coming out this spring. It includes some of the most beloved tales, like The Finding of the Sword and the Stone, as well as some lesser-known ones. We've talked about this already. The tale of Balin and Balin, two brothers who accidentally fight each other and maybe even kill each other. There's also a story about a young man who wants to be a knight but has to prove himself worthy, even while a young maiden asks him to do silly things, as young maidens are sometimes wont to do. This is a very special version of the Athorian stories because it's designed specifically for reading aloud. It's got questions you can use if you want to. And it's also special because Graham designed the cover, which we keep talking about. And uh, I just Mm want to say congratulations on finishing that project, Graham. Thank you. I'm almost done creating the trophy for myself. I've smelted it. I've got to, I've got to dip it in some other kinds of metals, you know, to give it a, a kind of a, uh, iridescent shine. That's what I'm going for. And I have to say, if anybody, um, you know, if anybody goes and purchases this book and then comes into the bookstore or into maybe finds us at a convention or something, uh, I will make sure and bring a marker. And so if you bring the book to me, I will trade you uh, my marker for your book. That seems like a terrible deal. I mean, I will sign the cover for you. Okay. Well, that still seems like a terrible deal. <laughs> what? A signed cover for free? Well, thanks a lot, David. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I never mind, never mind. I don't want to I don't want to say what's really on my mind. We need to do that off the air. Speaking <laughs> of things that we don't need to do off the air though, let's let's talk about some snacks. What snack did you bring this week, Graham? Because I brought something in honor of last week's guest. Last week's oh. guest was of course Daniel Nyeri, and he mentioned that he likes Caramello by Cadbury, which is not a cologne. It is actually a chocolate bar. And I brought one of those. So (laughs) but new new line of business. Uh you know Cadbury Cadbury line of cologne falls on hard times. That idea is free. Okay. I'm I'm you know the thing about a Cadbury is it breaks off in these nice perfect wedges, kind of like a um Toblerone. Do you like Toblerone? Yes, I do. And uh I can tell that David really likes Caramello by Cadbury because he said, what did you bring for snack time? I brought this blah, blah, blah. And he started eating it already. He didn't even let me say. Oh, yeah. He's mostly gone. And now he's he's already eating it. Uh, Yeah. Did you want to share? Because I've been a little under the weather this week. So I thought maybe mm -hmm. we wouldn't share. I just didn't want to risk getting you under the weather too. Uh, Also, it's it's pretty much gone. So that means I don't get that delicious caramello but it also means these my snack we can't share and i specifically brought it to share with you and torture you because oh. i brought birdie bots every flavor beans which as we know is a harry potter themed jelly bean snack mm-hmm. uh where mm-hmm. you might get a delicious jelly bean or you might get an atrocious jelly bean i have a lot of food issues I, I, if the things that gross me out really yeah, gross me out. And um, I can't wait to watch this. Like a rotten egg flavored jelly bean is like my nightmare. <laughs> so I don't get to subject you to this. Mm. I just, you just get to watch me uh, do this myself. This is, okay. this is, this is like, uh, I could pay 20 bucks to go to a movie or I could do this for free. Oh man. Okay. So this one is either a booger or tutti fruity. <laughs> flavor oh we should say these are harry potter related did we did i already say that i can't remember i'm shaking yeah you did you did you did you're shaking out of you have pure anxiety wow tutti frutti oh come on one one for one 
Oh no. We want torture. Okay. We want torture. We want torture. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one uh is either green apple or grass. We want torture. We want torture. Okay, hear me out. <laughs> this is the bad one. It's it's grass. As a child who chewed on a lot of grass and maybe an adult who still does, not that bad. I feel like they captured the essence grass here i got a lot of questions and um i'm fine with taking them off the air so okay all right this one one i've been um, this one i've been scared of and you can't smell them that's the problem they all uh torture graham torture graham all right this is either uh cinnamon or sausage he's he's very daintily taking these bites oh 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 man, no! he just got up. <laughs> torture, torture. <laughs> He's wheeling away out of his. Oh, uh, uh, he, oh. Uh, it was sausage? No, I just or really hate sausage. Do cinnamon. not like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was sausage. Okay. Hey, I got an idea. Right, I got a great I'm done. I'm done. I got, well, I'm I got, done, an, I'm done. I got an idea. How about you do one more, double or nothing? If you eat this one, nothing. then all oh, okay. the other ones didn't happen. <laughs> um, I'm not going to take you up on that. I'm done. It's for I the can't. kids, Graham. It's no, for uh, the kids. Nine. One out of three being terrible is not that bad. Okay, that's a failure in the torture department by the torture. Right, this is bad. This is the this first. is the big one. Um, okay. this is either uh, um, I'm I'm really scared. This is either um. Lemon drop or uh, rotten egg? Oh, yes. Okay, there he goes. He's got it in his mouth. He's chewing. He's chewing. He looks... He's da- He's doing a dance. Is that the rotten egg dance? Do you dance when you eat rotten eggs? That is the lemon drop dance, and I am so, Hello. so, so happy we are not ending the podcast here because I'm running to the bathroom to throw up. That is the end of snack time. Not enough torture. We will be right back with Lazy Words. Snack time. Not enough torture. That's to be our new slogan for snack time. (laughs) And we are back with Lazy Words with Graham Pittman. Also, not enough torture. Graham, what's our lazy word this week? And what was the answers uh, uh, that people provided to last week's lazy word? I'm going to answer those um, in the opposite uh, order that you presented them to me. Last week was coffee table. Uh, and here mm. are some of the uh, replacement words we got sent in for coffee table. Uh, Jeremiah said it should be called the catch-all top. Pretty, pretty mm. good. Uh, Daniel said... Coffee table should be called the snack bench. I like that a lot. McKenna and her brother say corgi bed. Uh, Jessica, <laughs> who's one of the moms. That feels of very specific. Uh, says coffee table should be called daily holdings of everyone's things that they are too lazy to put away table. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I like Sophia's here. Yeah, uh, Sophia 
Yeah, coffee table should be called the rickety table I'm not allowed to put my feet on or family time table because it is a great place to play games and watch movies together. Mm, true. Uh, Madeline says coffee table should be called a Mesa of Mysteries. <laughs> that is a great one. Uh, James says it should be renamed coffee cup table because no one should pour coffee directly on a table. Good job, James. <laughs> it's true. And then lastly, Annie uh, says it should be called Radiant Rectangle of Relaxation. Mm. I like that alliteration there. I do. You know, Graham, I want to say, if kids can email in their responses to this week's Lazy Word at podcast at goldberrybooks.com. But yeah. I just want to say, mm-hmm. I had a great time reading people's responses to this on the Substack at withywindle.substack.com because you, we could see them. There was conversation, there was comments, and I thought that was really great. And the great thing is they could do it for this week's Lazy Word, which you were about to give, but they also could go back to old ones. Even if now we can't say them on the show because we'll already already have recorded, people can go on there and still have a conversation about what they think the Lazy Words should be and get their opinions heard and out there. So I just, I thought, yeah. I think that's really fun. I do too. It's way better for us. Like, we like getting your emails in, but like after, you know, a couple of weeks, they move off to like page two of email land and we never yeah. see them again. But now we could like go back easily kind of scrolling through different pictures of different, the different podcasts and episodes and bonus stuff. It's fun. That's right. Um, I, I like seeing it all in one spot like this. So and yeah. speaking but, of Withy Win- of the Withy Windle Substack. We mm-hmm. shared a recipe from Daniel Nyeri this week. I just want to drop that out there. You can go check out Daniel Nyeri's very special rice pudding recipe, which might sound weird, but is delicious. Just wanted to, you know, yeah. shout that out. I'm excited to try that, but we need to go buy some uh, coconut milk first. We didn't have, mm-hmm. we don't have any that we just keep usually in our house. So I'm going to find uh, okay. that. Um, also, that potentially could be a lazy word right there, coconut milk, because it's not milk. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, okay, so coffee table was last week. Uh, all right, this week. All right, this this lazy word. Um, the discrepancy, similar to microwave. Okay, the discrepancy between the technology needed and the and the label given to this item is just enormous. Uh, so, uh, so if you if you go back to I don't know, let's say the seventies. Mm-hmm. We didn't have what is called a personal computer uh, in our in our home. Uh, they were they were giant machines taking up whole rooms in specialized offices, right? Um, lots of computing power, and eventually they've got smaller and smaller mm-hmm. and smaller until mm-hmm. eventually you can have you could have one in your house. Uh, you'd you'd need to buy a screen, and this big box would sit next to it. And now I'm chatting to you on an i iPad or an iMac. And it's all in one. And then they mm-hmm. went even smaller. It was a portable computing device uh, that you could carry around with you. It was magic. Um, you know, you see them a lot in, uh, let's say, Starbucks uh, with people doing their, their mobile work. Um, and, and this, Are you referring this com- to laptops? I am. I am referring to the laptop. I'm referring to the uh, incredible technical marvel that you put on your lap. Um, and that instead of anything, Dare I say computer, on top of your lap, anything, instead of anything computer related, they decided to name it after, uh, the thing it sits upon, which by the way, a lap only exists when you're sitting. There's a nugget for you. Disappears when you stand <laughs> up. Um, 
That's a joke from somebody uh, famous, but I can't remember who. Anyway, uh, laptop. Laptop. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. really bad. It's 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 quite bad. So you just oh, so you want some you want kids to solve this then? It's it's so, I'm gonna be honest, it's thrown me into a funk all day. I've just been well, it's just been making is, me you've come to the right place then. I know. I had to get it out. Um yeah. we need to rename laptop. Uh it's it's a terrible, terrible name. It's atrocious. Let's so, rename the we, portable computer something other than laptop because what if you don't put it on your lap and you put it on the coffee cup table and you do mm. your work on there is it a laptop it's not on a lap maybe we should start referring to this as, as the atrocious words segment because well, you've been yeah, using the word atrocious a lot and you know what is not a lazy word is atrocious but it's not a lazy word true or okay, much so like a uh, sausage flavored jelly bean I would even consider it gag worthy. <laughs> this is your edition of gag worthy words. <laughs> and you can send what you think a better name for a laptop is to podcasts at goldberrybooks.com or you can leave a comment over at willywindle.substack.com on this week's episode for all the world to see. <laughs> all right, Graham, thanks for another segment of Lazy Words. Let's take a break so you can eat another one of those delightful or delicious, I mean, delightful or despicable jelly beans. And, uh, Oh, he just threw one in his mouth. What was it? Was it good? Licorice. Licorice. Good. What's the bad oh. version of licorice? For some people, that might be. Oh, wait. No, it's not licorice. It's oh, like he's some ha- sort of grape. I don't know what that one was. Was that Those even are part of the candy? Two or very that... different flavors. I think that anyway, might have been an old blueberry on my desk or something. Well, anyway. while we figure that out, uh, we're going to need a minute and then we'll be back with story time coming up next. Graham, you got a story ready for us? I got it. Okay, we are back with story time. Now, I did the last two stories, shared a couple stories with you, which means that it is Graham's turn. So, Graham, tell us about the story that you are going to be sharing with this, with, with me and with the audience this week. This is a story called The Little Girl and the Winter Whirlwinds. Oh, boy. Story comes to us from Bulgaria. So you know it's good. <laughs> One year, the wicked winter witch decided to stop spring from coming on time and make winter the only season on earth. She hid the sun behind the dark clouds and covered the earth with heavy snow. So one morning, the people from a small mountain village woke up and found their houses buried under the snow up to the roofs. Sounds kind of scary. Definitely sounds dark. And maybe a little cozy, I don't know. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, they started digging tunnels from their own to the neighboring houses and gathered in small groups to decide what they could do. How would you feel about a tunnel going from your neighbor's house to your house? I would absolutely love it if I was a child. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> As an adult, mm, most likely <laughs> n- not my, I'm going to be my favorite thing. Uh, okay. They finally decided that the best thing to do is to send someone on the highest mountain peak where the good wizard Father Frost lived in his palace of ice and ask him to help. Mm. Seems like a good tactic if you have snow-related malady. 
uh, or problem to go ask the <laughs> no, guy. No related in the ice, malady. Go ask the guy in the ice palace for help. So they're doing the right thing. True. True. But no one was willing to go on such a dangerous trip. I am ready to go, an old man said. That was pretty good. But I'm afraid I'm too old and slow to reach the peak on time. If only I was 20 years younger. Yeah, that sounds convenient, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If only I wasn't 60, if I was 40, I could definitely go. Not coward (laughs) at all. (laughs) And then another neighbor's like, Gerald, you're 35. But I look 55. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, Don't worry, grandfather. I will go, his little granddaughter said. She was an orphan living in his home since her parents had died. No, not you, the neighbors pitied her. You are too young and too tender for such a hard job. You don't even have a warm coat, no hat and scarf, not even woolen mittens. I'm not afraid, the little girl said. My feet are strong and I'm as fast as a mountain goat. But you'll freeze up there with no shelter to hide from the frost. I will not, the girl said firmly. I have a warm little heart full of love for everyone and it will save me from the frost. Go, my child, the old man said, or the 35-year-old Gerald, either one. Uh, I I know your good heart and I trust it. Do you think maybe we use the name Gerald too often on this podcast? I'm just throwing that out there. Just just curious. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, No. Okay. But also, maybe. (laughs) Do we use it a lot? I feel like it's been used before. You know, it's okay. It's okay. So it, the, the precedent's I, been set in this story. I feel like it's got. I've um. Uh, I have like two or three go-to names, and for some reason, that's one of them. I'd uh, love to know if we have any Geralds listening that actually go by Gerald. I hope so, because then, um, they would feel like they're getting a shout out every time, every episode. That's true. Uh, that's true. Da, 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 da. The children, who were all her friends, gave her their warmest clothes. Here, take my coat. One of them said, "My mittens are warm. Put them on." Said another. Take my hat, my scarf, my woolen socks, and my boots, and my axe. (laughs) That's not part of the story. That's from Lord of the Rings. Anyway, uh, (laughs) soon the little girl was ready to go. She waved back at her friends and started for the snowy mountain peak at a quick pace. She went further and higher, never thinking about rest. Soon she was able to see the glittering ice on the top of the highest peak. All of a sudden, the whirlwinds woke up from their sleep and noticed the little figure in the snow and became furious. Who dares trespass our property? Let's show her who we are, they screamed. Let's blow at her hard so she forgets <laughs> where she's heading for. And they started whirling fiercely. It's a good thing Gerald her. didn't go. He, I don't think he was up for this. He was not. But she only huddled into her warm coat and bravely went on. The whirlwinds got very tired. And one after another, they fell on the ground, gasping for breath. What a strong girl, one of them said. We are exhausted, and she's not even tired. No human being has ever overmastered us, let alone such a fragile little girl. We cannot manage ourselves. Let's call the sisters, the blizzards, for help. So they called for the blizzards. The blizzards, sisters. Yeah, oh, she's in trouble now. Hearing them, the blizzards became very angry. She will pay for that, they roared and threw themselves after her. It was a long and uneven struggle, but the girl overcame the blizzards too, thanks to her strong, warm heart that never let her, she never felt fear. 
The blizzards fell on the ground, breathing heavily. That's shame, one of them hissed. We are not able to stop her. Let's call our mother for help. Mother, they all screamed. Come to help. Their mother was the frosty winter witch. She came at once and said, I saw everything. Now listen to me. When you cannot defeat someone by force, turn things the other way around. Let's be good to her. What do you mean? A whirlwind asked. Let's just try to be polite and kind, so she will never suspect any of us of evil thoughts. So the wind stopped, and the blizzards went away. The frosty winter witch appeared before the girl like a beautiful young woman in a sparkling white gown, with long white hair and a crown of icy diamonds. Am I dreaming, or is this some good miracle? The girl thought. This beautiful lady has the face of my dear mother, and I can hear her sweet voice singing my lullaby. Oh, how I want to hear some more. I will sit here for a while, she said to herself. I'm so near to the palace. No more than an hour of walking left. I'll be on time. The little girl sat and closed her eyes. The frosty winter witch grinned in delight. Sleep, little girl, and may you sleep forever. Then she left the sleeping girl on the snowy hill and flew away to tell her children how she managed to deceive the girl. That is some despicable strategies right there. The little girl was sleeping, smiling happily, but the color of her face was changing as time passed. Her pink cheeks became at first red and then blue and then waxy yellow. She was slowly freezing until all of a sudden something stirred in the snow. A squeaking sound was heard and a tiny head showed up from a hole in the snow, a little white mouse, her shining black eyes fixed on the sitting figure. Someone's in trouble, squeaked the mouse. And right after that, a number of little holes opened in the snow and a number of mice peeped out of those holes. They ran to the girl and started massaging her feet and her hands. But mice were so little and their labors so inefficient that they decided to call their friends, the rabbits, for help. This time, bigger holes opened in the snow and a number of white rabbits peeped out and ran to the rescue. From the snow-covered pines, a number of squirrels jumped down and soon the girl was covered with white and brown fur all over. The little animals warmed her up with their own furry bodies. They were extremely happy to see her cheeks becoming pink again. And soon the girl opened her eyes and thanked her friends for saving her life and told them why she was here and where she was going. We'll come with you, the animals cheered. (laughs) We also suffer very much from never-ending winter. Flocking around the girl, the animals accompanied her to the ice palace, and there they all knocked at the gate, but no one answered. What might have happened to Father Frost? The animals wondered. Let's try to open the door. It's not locked. They opened the heavy gate and the girl stepped in, followed by her friends. A glittering ice corridor led them to a big crystal hall. And there, on a gorgeous throne of carved ice, Father Christmas was fast asleep, sitting on his icy throne, dressed in silver embroidered clothes. Two squirrels jumped in his lap and tickled his face with their furry tails. A mighty sneeze Sound sneezing sound made them all freeze with fear, but fa- then Father Christmas opened his blue eyes and smiled. What are you doing here, little friends? The girl told him everything. You mean I have slept here while the wicked winter witch was trying to stop spring from coming? Throughout the whole winter? Father Christmas asked, astonished. I guess she decided to outsmart me and stay on Earth forever, but I will not let her. Thank you, little ones, for waking me up. Now I will restore the natural order and give everyone what he deserves. And then he blew on a silver whistle, and in an instant, all his subjects appeared in the big crystal hall. 
He ordered them to go and find the frosty winter witch and bring her to the palace so he could lock her down in the cellar until next year. He also told them to clear the skies from clouds so that the sun can melt the snow. When the big gates opened again, the sun outside was shining and the soft snow had started to melt. The way back was much easier. The new friends parted, promising to help anytime when was needed. Everyone in the village cheered, meeting the brave little girl. They were very happy to pick the first snowdrops and give them to her. Spring was also very happy to hear the songs and see the dances the children had prepared, especially for her. The Little Girl and the Winter Whirlwinds. Where is that from? That is from Bulgaria. And uh, No, but could you say it again? Bulgaria. (laughs) And this one I picked um, because I thought it was very interesting how it it had some similarities to another story that I know very well about a, a winter that would not go away because of a, a wintry witch and mm-hmm. also had some um, small, tiny animals trying to save the day. So I assume I you're think, referring to the lion, the witch in the wardrobe by C.S. Lewis? Uh, yes, I think there might have been some inspiration. You know, you know, Lewis was very well versed in all sorts of tales. Well, especially the Bulgarian one, uh, mm. ones. That was a good one, Graham. Thanks. You're welcome. Turns out you can still read. Well, that brings us to the end of story time. And uh, up next, we are going to introduce you to Jasmine Warga, who is this week's very special guest. We'll be right back while Graham eats more jelly beans. Eat another one, Graham. Eat another one. I will not. Torture. 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 All right, guys, we are back. Graham, did you eat more jelly beans or not? Oh, no, I did not. I, I've um, no. I've just been placing an Amazon order for a carton of caramellos to be delivered to my house tomorrow morning. <laughs> okay. okay, I got it. Perfect. That's, uh, Breakfast of Champions right there. That's 24 hey, we're, caramellos. We're going to introduce the kids to, you know, Daniel Nairi would, would love that. We should invite him over. Uh, we're going to introduce the kids to Jasmine Warga in just a minute. But first, we need to remind kids about the story of Pax Jackson in the book Out of the Shadow World by Colleen Chow. See, Pax Jackson, again, great name. He doesn't know if he's going to make it to his next birthday because he is sick. He's about to embark on an unforgettable journey. Their favorite climbing tree, Pax, and his best friend, Janie, meet Wilmer, a comical bellbird who introduces them to a magical realm of delightful and bewitching creatures. The children set sail a vast sea, navigate a frightening forest, and summit a perilous mountain in search of a mysterious man who might be able to heal Pax. Will the mysterious healer meet their dreams and expectations, or will they return with newfound joy and hope and a keen awareness of the very real magical world that lies within their own shadow world? In Out of the Shadow World, Colleen Chow masterfully weaves a tale of suffering and joy. Children will be captivated. Readers will develop empathy and maybe even a theology of suffering uh, that equips them to both face difficult circumstances and love others who are experiencing hardship. So you can join Pax and his best friend, Janie, on this journey through a magical realm when this book releases on May 2nd, 2003. Now, 2023. Now, that's uh, right around the corner from when we were recording and right about the time this episode drops. So for some of you, this book will already be out, which means you can go grab it at moodypublishers.com or wherever books are sold. Check out bookshop.org if you'd like to buy that from um, from our bookstore uh, or from your local bookstore. Again, that is Out of the Shadow World by Colleen Chow. It's out now. 
and it's available from moodypublishers.com or wherever books are sold. And thank you so much to to them and to Moody and, and to, to this book for helping sponsor Withy Wendell this season. All right, Graham, it's time to talk about Jasmine Warga. Jasmine Warga is the New York Times best-selling author of middle-grade novels Other Words for Home, The Shape of Thunder, and A Rover's Story, which is her newest book. Her books have earned multiple awards, including a John Newberry honor, a Walter honor for young readers, and a Charlotte Huck honor. A Rover's Story, her latest book, as I said, was an instant New York Times bestseller and Indie Next List and Junior Library Guild selection and was named a Best Book of the Year by Publishers Weekly and The Washington Post. So she is a very accomplished and delightful writer. Um, Graham, do you have anything you'd like to add about Jasmine? Because we had, we had a great time in this conversation and we talked a lot about Rover's Story, um, which is about, it's about a rover. It's a really good, yeah, really fun. I, I had actually just read a Rover story before she came on, so I was very anxious to talk to her about that book because that book is absolutely delightful. But we should we should let the kids know that uh, before they just go yes, off, yes, like, yes, buy all of her books. Um, that there's a couple of her books that deal with deal with some suffering and maybe some heavier issues that maybe your parents want to check out a couple of those before you just scoop them up and, and read them, especially if you're kind of in that seven, eight, nine-year-old range. Yeah, a, a rover story should be good for the for the general middle grade audience, but the other ones, yeah, parents, you might want to just just double check on and make sure that you're you're good, you're comfortable with your kids reading them. But yeah, Jasmine was really fun. She was a delight to chat with. So uh, let's get it right over to that. So here's our conversation with Jasmine Warga. All right, well, we are here with Jasmine Warga and we are very excited to have you on, Jasmine. Uh, a Rover Stories and your other books, but especially A Rover Story right now has been selling really well in our bookstore. And so we are excited to chat with you. Uh, so thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, Jasmine, we start with this question for every guest and um, it may or may not be the most important question you ever get in an interview, um, but I'll let, we'll let you judge that. So here's the question. We've been asking this since the first episode of this show. Jasmine, Cheetos or Doritos? Oh, Cheetos, one hundred percent Cheetos. Even even with the mess, but I'm a I'm a big Cheetos person. But especially white cheddar Cheetos are my oh, favorite. The puffs, uh, white cheddar Cheeto puffs. Grandma, I think it's the first time anyone has said white cheddar Cheetos on here, and I I I, I feel like this tells us a lot about you, Jasmine. <laughs> so. Yeah, this is it's rare for us to get a new answer. So it's very exciting. We're off to a great <laughs> And the white cheddar ones, those would be like the the puff ones, right? Yeah, they're the puff ones. fatter ones. Yeah, and I think they feel light so you can eat more of them. Mm. Mm. Though obviously I like the spicy, the hot spicy Cheetos. Yeah, okay. Also. You know, one thing we get is the people who say that the mess bothers them the most are the people who are like illustrators. But that's not an issue for like Maybe your keyboard just gets messy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I. I mean, my keyboard is pretty messy, but it's worth it for not the best snack. Yeah, exactly. Plus, I mean, what's what's a if a keyboard's not messy? Just you're not. Are you really a writer if your keyboard's not messy? <laughs> and also, are Cool Ranch Doritos that much less messy than Cheetos? Like, I think Doritos also have some flavoring on them. That's true. Us. Yeah, maybe Cheetos have been getting a real bad rap this whole time yeah, when at really... least on this podcast <laughs> yeah. so jasmine are you um like generally speaking do you prefer savory food or sweet food 
These are questions that kids sent in from the very beginning. So they love to hear this stuff. Yeah. So I always find that such a hard question to answer because I love both. Like I have a really like salty snack food side, but I definitely have a sweet tooth. I'm not one of those people who's like, I don't like sweet things. Like I love Mm -hmm. candy. I love ice cream. I love dessert. Um, But I'm also a big like snack food person. So as Mm. mentioned, I love Cheetos. I love all types of like Chex Mix, pretzels. So I hate like waffling here and not picking, but it kind of depends on Mm. the situation, right? Like if I'm having an afternoon snack, I'm probably going to have like the Cheetos, but I'm the type of person who like always wants dessert and I'm a firm believer in dessert at all meals. And also that Mm. breakfast is a dessert meal. (laughs) I feel like, so we have this segment a little earlier in the show, it's snack time, basically. And we we eat snacks on the podcast. And oftentimes, kids send us the, the snacks in. So what I'm trying to say is, I think you'd fit in really, mm. you fit in really well here. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I mean, I love I love snacks of all sorts. And but yeah, I, I that sweet, savory question is always hard because I'm like, all the things. I like all the things. It just is sort of about the timing of them. So let's say you're writing. You're deep, you're, you got a deadline coming up. You're deep in a story and you've got a, you're trying to sort something out in the plot or break some part of the story. What are you snacking on then? See, I think my ideal snack actually hits both the sweet and salty here, which is like a chocolate covered nut of some sort. So mm. like chocolate covered mm. almonds. Cause I trick myself into thinking that's a little bit healthy. Cause I'm like, there's <laughs> protein and it's feeding my brain. Um, but also is like satisfying that sweetness that. Yeah. Energy and feels exciting to you. I've mm. been I've been telling myself that exact same lie for years. And years. <laughs> Just I mean, chocolate covered believe- raisins, chocolate covered yogurt balls, chocolate covered peanuts. Healthy. Yeah. I was just in Northern Michigan and they have the chocolate covered cherries, which are amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, we should move on because otherwise this this episode is going to get out of hand. Um, okay. One last one last food adjacent question that we got from the kids. Coffee or tea for you? Yeah, so I'm probably a coffee person. I always wanted to be a tea person. I feel like tea, it has like this artsy vibe to it. And I do love teas. I just don't know a lot about them. And I'm definitely like wake up in the morning, need coffee person. Mm-hmm. And I drink tea, but not in any type of like serious habit type way, which like I can't not have coffee in the morning. So I feel like I have to answer coffee here. But I definitely... Like love teas and love when I go to like restaurants or cafes that have interesting teas that I can try, but that's not mm-hmm. like a part of my daily life routine. And yeah. so if you are a coffee person and you also think uh, breakfast is dessert time, are you like a like a maple uh, latte type person or like you putting a lot of flavoring in that coffee? I Yeah, I mean, I love a maple latte, but on the everyday basis, I'm more just like a cream and sugar person in my coffee um at home but i love flavored lattes but i also like can like sort of just a regular coffee with some milk with then like a sweet like a cookie for breakfast Mm. or a scone or something like that and that makes the coffee more palatable yeah 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 again we are really on the verge of this episode getting out of control because I have many, many thoughts here. Graham, what you want to, you want to do your question now? We should talk uh, maybe about Jasmine and her writing. Um, So (laughs) Jasmine, uh, we like to give our authors kind of um, a little space to do maybe an elevator pitch of, of, of maybe the things that you like to write about, like the themes, or maybe you want to talk about maybe your latest work. 
uh, and do kind of a, a summary of that. But the floor is yours for two minutes, and then I'm going to cut you off hard. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, for sure. And I'll kind of do both then. So I'm going to start by Perfect. saying I think that I'm always writing in some way about belonging and home. And I think that this mm. is because of my own background. So I'm the daughter of an immigrant who was actually the son of refugees. And so growing up, I think a lot of the storytelling in my home centered around this idea of how do we remember a home that we left? How do we remember a home that maybe we had to leave for reasons outside of our own control? And then sort of the central question of my childhood growing up in small town Ohio was where do I fit in and where do I belong? And how come no one place really fully feels like home, but lots of places feel a little bit like home? And what does that mean? And so I think I turned to writing as a way to write myself into belonging. And my most recent book is about a Mars rover. It's narrated by a Mars rover. And on its face, that might not seem like a book that is about (laughs) home or belonging, but to me, it very much is. It's a book that Mm -hmm. follows... Um, My main character, whose name is Resilience, from his creation in the NASA lab all the way to his dangerous um, journey to Mars. But one of the central questions Resilience kind of has is he wants to do a good job on his mission, but he worries that he's not like other rovers. And he worries that that's going to mean he's not going to be able to do a good job. And this question of, does he belong on Earth? Does he belong on Mars? Is he going to do a good job? And all those types of things of wanting to fit in, wanting to do a good job, those were things I worried and wondered a lot about as a kid, obviously different from the way that a Mars rover might. And so it was fun to sort of explore those types of themes and questions from this different sort of angle. Hmm. That's perfect. Um, So that rolls right into a question from Ivy that we got. uh, And she asks, uh, when did you decide you wanted to write a story about a rover? Yeah, so that happened for me in July 2020 when I was watching the launch of NASA's newest Mars rover with my family. I watched the launch of Perseverance. And uh, we were watching the launch. We were listening to all the pre-coverage And I found myself feeling more optimistic than I felt in months. You know, in July 2020, we were still in the height of the COVID pandemic. We were isolated from family and friends. Our world felt really fractured and broken. And it felt like we could not, as a society, agree on anything, even, you know, how to keep one another safe. And but listening to the NASA scientists talk about, you know, the teamwork that goes into building these super smart robots and Mm. all the years they'd worked on them. And that in this moment when, like, like our world as humans felt really dark and sad we still had this like spark of optimism that we were still as a species like finding a way to explore and move forward um and so then that moment the dramatic moment happens with the rocket that's carrying the rover and it launches my oldest daughter you know she jumps up on the couch and she's clapping and my husband's Mm -hmm. clapping and I'm clapping and I'm feeling all this joy and I look over at my younger daughter and she doesn't seem uh, happy. She actually looks upset. And I ask her, you know, what's wrong? Because for a moment, I think that she's misunderstood because we have listened to like an hour of coverage about how many things can go wrong Mm. and the likelihood of, you know, the rocket blowing up. And I'm trying to explain to her, no, it was a successful launch. She's like, mama, I know. And then says, but do you think the robot's afraid? Do you think the robot's afraid to leave home? And that's mm. what really cracked open the story for me and gave me sort of the emotional attachment uh, to mm. the rover. And I thought, wow, that'd be a really great story. It seemed very different from anything I've ever written. So at first I wasn't sure I was going to write it, um, but I 
found myself becoming more and more obsessed with the rovers. Like I went, I learned more about the rover program. I couldn't stop um, doing that research. And the more that I learned about the rover program, the more the book and the story came to me. So we have a question here from Jack who says, did you do a lot of research on Mars? And then how difficult was that research? It seems like you did enjoy it a little bit, but you know, it's a great question. I thought. No, I think actually the research for this book was so fun. And I think in part also, you know, we're in the pandemic, I'm stuck at my house. And so I get to pretend to escape to Mars or pretend to escape Mm. to the NASA laboratory. And NASA um, makes the research really easy. You know, they have an amazing website. I would encourage any of um, the readers of a rover story who read it who might want to know more about mm. rovers that if you go on NASA's website there's so many fun resources like you can see videos of the NASA scientists building the rovers you can see footage the rovers have taken on Mars you know the videos and recordings and all those things that resilience describes doing they have live footage of it and because they post all of that stuff that made the research really fun um, and mm. engaging and then I read a book um, by a head engineer who had worked on the Curiosity rover to try to help me understand what it's like to be a scientist who, you know, is in the lab since the most difficult part of the book was I was, the book set in two different places I've never been Mm. before, obviously Mars, um, but also the inside of Jet Propulsion Laboratory. So, um, but there's tons of resources. So that made the research really easy. I think sometimes for a book, research can be hard when you feel like you can't find what you're looking for. And I almost had Mm. the opposite problem that there's so much information out there about rovers. How do I distill down since I wasn't writing a nonfiction like thesis about rovers? How do I incorporate all of this cool stuff while still honoring that it's a novel? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So are you, do you naturally have you always been interested in science and space and this kind of thing? Or was this something where it was like, it didn't necessarily come easy, but it was still fun to build the story out. Like, well, in other I, words, I guess, was it easy to, when you were researching it? Did it all make sense to you, or did it feel like you were like, whoa, this is too much? Well, I mean, the research made sense to me, but again, that's not, I think, because I have a brilliant scientific mind, but I think because people at NASA, some people's job there is to curate the information that's on the site that makes yeah, everything yeah, yeah. really like yeah, yeah, yeah. digest digestible and uh, fun to understand. Um, I laugh a little when you were asking about if I've always been interested in science, just because another one of the central themes of my childhood was it's sort of like a an immigrant kid cliche now, but my parents really, really wanted me to be a doctor. And so I feel like I spent Mm. all of my childhood like running away from science and being like, that's not what I want to do with my life. And I'm not that great at science. And now a lot of my books like I've returned to science and themes huh. and curiosity, um, which is just interesting to me, um, I guess, in a psychological yeah. way. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah. was a kid, like I loved Star Wars. I loved R2-D2. I loved science fiction as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of our childhood, Graham, you've got some questions about that, right? So I've got two questions here and you could answer uh, one of them or the other or both. Or if you really <laughs> want to throw a wrench into it, you could answer neither. Uh, but okay, the questions favorite are um, uh, favorite, your favorite books as a kid um, or and or uh, books that have influenced you as a writer. Yeah, I'm happy to kind of answer both. So as a kid, um, some of my favorite books were, well, I remember loving Charlotte's Web when it was read aloud to me. Um, I loved The Bridge to Terabithia. Mm-hmm. I loved, loved The Giver. 
I loved Ellen Shannon was one of my very, very favorite books. I remember my fifth grade teacher reading that aloud to us. And so those would be the ones that really stand out to me as my most favorites. And actually, when I get to go and visit schools and talk with kids, I will put all of those books up on the screen. And I talk about how when I was a kid, I don't think I had a favorite genre of books so much as what I loved about books were books that asked really big questions about the world. Hmm and had characters that I fully felt like I knew and was really, hmm. really invested um, in their journey. And then as a writer today, I would say, you know, I'm influ- I was influenced, a- am influenced a lot by the work of Jacqueline Woodson, um, particularly, you know, when I was working on my novel and verse, other words for home, I looked a lot at Brown Girl Dreaming and other uh, novels and verse yeah. uh, Jacqueline oh, Woodson yeah. has written. And then I um, love everything Kate DiCamillo's ever written and really just like admire how she writes, I think, lots of different types of stories and lots of different genres, but yeah. you always yeah, know yeah. when you're like in a DiCamillo novel. Yeah, yeah. We interviewed her, what was that, two seasons ago, Graham? And that was a, yeah. that was a pretty fun one to, to, to get on because she's, like you said, she's gotten, she's written so widely that it's yeah. like you, you can talk about so many different things. Yeah, but she's also someone who I feel like her books all, like she has similar themes in them, but she's Mm. able to explore those themes in such a wide variety of ways. Mm. So we got this question that's about books. It's from Audrey, and it was such a good question. We've been asking it of, I think, at least most authors during this season so far. And this is the question. If you could book wander into any classic book, you know, The Secret Garden, Tom Sawyer, Bridge to Terabithia, whichever one, what do you, like, what classic book would you choose and why? Wow, that's so tricky. But, you know, I think I'm going to have to go with my childhood favorite of Ellen Shannon. I would love to be in that fantasy world. I think it was such a rich, um, like, fairy tale-esque yeah, place. Yeah. Um, and I spent a lot of time writing, like, fan fiction set in that world. So I think that's, <laughs> like, where my... Um, You've already sort of book wandered. Yeah, yeah. That's where my tween huh. heart thing I would want to go. All right. That's a great answer. Um, here's a question from Ada, and I really like this one. Um, she says, you have a few books where characters write letters to people where they know they will not get a response. Um, and she's wondering, is this something you have ever done in real life? Yeah, so it's a beautiful question. And it, actually, it is. It's something that I have done um, kind of throughout my life to process different emotions and grief. So when I was young, I would write letters to my grandmother who passed away um, when I was mm-hmm. little. And I didn't ever get to know her that well, but I always felt this really strong connection with my grandma. She was also a storyteller, and I think is the reason I'm a storyteller. And so I think I would write to her about questions about story and just this idea that I had about this connection I knew I felt as a kid but wasn't able to fully explore because she passed away before I really got much older and then um when I was in my like young adulthood one of my best best friends um passed away unexpectedly and I would write Mm -hmm. letters to him as a way to sort of process that experience and just recently Mm -hmm. I lost my beloved cat and I've written letters to my cat as a way to kind of deal with 
um, missing him and his presence around our house. But I find writing letters, I will write letters though to also to people who I haven't lost that I might not send, um, which is also, I think the topic of like some novels is people who do that. And then those letters get out accidentally, which has never yeah, happened yeah. to me. But, uh, <laughs> I find, I find that to be, and I also write letters, obviously that I send not only a secret letter writer, mm. but, um, I, I like to lettering, writing to me is like almost a form of journaling. I think that that's an mm. easy because you can kind of focus in on who your imagined audience is, but it's also sort of for you. I mm. think this, I, I really like that question and I love your response um, because I think, I think Ada might be one of our maybe older listeners and she's putting kind of some puzzle pieces together and then drawing that connection back to the author and, and, and wondering about that. So it sounds like she was on the right track. <laughs> Well, Jesse wants to know if you have ever wanted to see your books made into a series, like a TV series or a movie, or maybe they already have been, or maybe that's already in process. Yeah. So of course I would love to see any of my books, you know, turned into a movie or a TV series. I have had different experiences with Hollywood of having books, you know, optioned or having there been interest in books, but none of my books have moved past that really sort of nebulous point of yeah. someone having interest. Um, it takes a lot of people to make a movie, right? And a lot yeah. of money. Um, but yeah, I would love um, for that to happen, but that's such a daydream. And that's something that lots of times is really outside of the author's own control. So that requires yeah. a whole different creative team of people to decide uh, they love the story enough and want to adapt it. Cause I'm actually of the mindset, which is different than other authors. And I don't think there's a right or a wrong mindset, but I wouldn't want to be that involved. Like I think that a movie is a completely different art form. Mm. And I actually don't think I would be the best person at adapting my own book. Cause I think I wouldn't be mm. able to see all the possibilities that someone else mm. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. might be able to see in it. Okay. So I have two follow-up questions then. Which of, if you had, if you could only choose one of your books to get mm. adapted into something you had, you, that was like the rule. One's going to get made, but you can only choose one. What do you think would be, the the best one for that experience yeah i mean maybe it's like re this could be have like a recency bias but right now i, I really feel like a rover story is the most like well suited cinematically to, mm -hmm. to being shown it's got space. Like, <laughs> I, uh, yeah and so i would love to see that but i i see it as an animated mm -hmm. okay okay um but you wouldn't want to be involved in like adapting it for a screenplay or anything like that. Say that now, but probably somewhere you're like my agent is saying, don't say that. Don't say that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't say that publicly. But okay, well, let, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I just think that I love um, adaptations where they surprise me as the reader. And, mm. and sometimes those are actually done by the author themselves. I just think that sometimes you can be too close to your project to understand how to crack it open. Like there are books that yeah, yeah, I yeah. would love to adapt that I'm not the author of, because I think I might be able to mm. move the pieces around in a different way that I'd be able to see the ability to do that with a book that I put together, because you obviously yeah. spend so much time putting the pieces together in your book that it can become hard, I think, to imagine all the other possibilities mm. that are there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Graham, one more follow-up. So get your quiz ready. I'm going to ask her oh. this question and then we'll have then we'll have the quiz. Okay, so when you're thinking about writing, is it ever helpful to think 
you know, I can see this being made into a movie or I'm trying to write this in the most cinematic way possible because you just said a Rover story is kind of cinematic. Is it helpful or harmful to think about that kind of concept when actually writing a story? That's a great question. So I never think like, I'm never writing a book thinking, oh, wow, I really hope someone will make this into a movie or I'm going to make this decision because it'd be really good for a movie. Mm -hmm. But I actually think that writing is about seeing more than anything, Mm -hmm. right? It's about seeing it in Mm -hmm. your own head so that hopefully you can get out on the page words that are going to create that picture in the reader's head. And so for me, all of my books are were cinematic to me when I wrote them. I saw them, I saw the image, I saw the scene, because that's a big part of the process is trying to be able to get the reader to see that. That said, I also think that A Rover Story is the most external of any of my books. And that's why um, it might be the Mm. best suited to a visual adaption. um, And that it just has more like visual appeal if you were to... Mm draw it out or show it. Whereas I feel like some of my other books, the inner workings of them are more emotions that are in somebody's head. And that's a harder thing to understand how to visually. um, Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Okay. Graham, you have a quiz. Um, I have a feeling we're going to find out whether or not the research that she did for her book is going to come in handy. So what's your, what's your quiz about? Don't get stressed, Jasmine. I know. I'm like, oh, wow. Am I going to fail this Mars quiz? I did this research two years ago. (laughs) This is an incredibly hard quiz. I will tell you that. So, yeah, I hope (laughs) I hope you've retained all of that research because indeed we are doing we are going to Mars. We're, We're doing a Mars quiz. Jasmine, I'm with you. I don't know the answer. I've never seen these questions either, and I don't know the answers. So, yeah, I like I like uh, surprising David with these questions. Okay, are we ready? Yes. There's five questions. Uh, I believe they're all multiple choice. So already you should be feeling a bit better about that. (laughs) All right. So question number one. All right, Jasmine. uh, Let's say you've put your name in to some interstellar lottery uh, for a chance to be the first person to get to go to Mars. uh, And you've won. All right. So what are you most excited about? Uh, Option A taking that first history-making step onto a new planet. Uh, B, the lower <laughs> gravity letting you jump three times higher. Uh, C, seeing one of those fabled dust storms firsthand. Or D, uh, meeting Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I have to, with no offense to Matt Damon, I think have to go with C with the caveat of wanting to be able to watch that from a safe vantage point, which I don't know how guaranteed that can be given my understanding of how the dust storms develop and can be very spontaneous. Uh, But I think that would be very, very cool. Yeah, you'd have to be in some sort of one of the sheltered bubble structure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I like that answer. I'm going to mark that as correct. Unless David, what, what do you think? I mean, it's close between that and Matt Damon, but I think we can accept that as a correct okay. answer. Got it. Ding. All <laughs> right. Question number two. The biggest crater on Mars is the Borealis Basin. It is 5,300 miles from end to end and covers 40% of the planet's surface. Uh, now we all know what the first instinct is when we hear the words giant basin. 
fill it with something. Okay, so if you could fill <laughs> that ba- that basin with one thing, uh, Jasmine, what would you choose? All right, so A, oh, you only have four options, by the way. A, uh, water. Mars could use some of that. Uh, B, ice cream. C, um, more basins. Uh, or D, Mars bars. Go. Well, I think... Not A, since we don't yet know how, why the water that we think once was on Mars evaporated, because that seems counterintuitive, right? Put the water in and then just watch it go away. Um, But I'm going to decide to live in a world where the ice cream would stay. So we'll go with B, um, though it should be Grater's ice cream from Cincinnati. Oh, Mm. I this is such a this is such a good answer. It gets double points. <laughs> they have a black cherry chip wheel that I think about all the time. Yeah, yeah. No, Grater's ice cream is like my number most strongly held food opinion. Being from Cincinnati, and and maybe they could you could rename it like Greater Planet, the Greater yeah. Planet. I mean, and Greater kind of rhymes with Crater, so oh, the Greater yeah. Crater. Oh, here we go. Great. Okay, this is good. Three points to that one. All right. Uh, question. Graham and I have been to Cincinnati a lot, so we uh, we're right there with you. In fact, we've one of the best meals of, we ever had was in Cincinnati. We've had a lot of midnight graders. Yeah, yeah. Love uh, to hear that. Uh, all right. Question three. Mars has two neighbors in the solar system: Earth on the one side, Jupiter on the other side. All right, everybody knows Earth and Mars are total BFFs. Mars and Jupiter, not at all. Uh, They have such beef with each other that the universe had to put an asteroid belt between them just to try to keep some peace. All right, so Jasmine, what is the main reason Mars and Jupiter do not get along? Option A, ages ago, Jupiter erected a giant straw and stole all of Mars' water. Uh, then converted it into gas just to make itself 1% larger. Uh, B, their speaking terms were severed after Jupiter created the song Little Ruddy Pebble and proceeded proceeded to sing it at Mars for 10,000 years straight. Uh, C, Mars just hates the way Jupiter stares at it with that big red eye. Or uh, D, Saturn is always asking Jupiter to pass along a message to Mars, and honestly, that would make anybody ornery over the eons oh my gosh these are all such good options um i'm gonna have to go with a feels a feels right you know that mars is pretty mad about losing its water and jupiter's just very into being the largest planet and the solar system is going to do what um, they can do to maintain that position I'd say Jupiter definitely looks like the greediest planet. And so I can't 100% confirm it, but 99%, it's A. It's got to be A. All all the research points to it. Yeah. (laughs) I think science is on our side. Yeah, exactly. All right. First manufactured in 1932 in Slough, England, uh, the Mars bar uh, consists of caramel and nougat coated with milk chocolate and is still a very popular confection to this day. Uh, the Mars Company also produces M&Ms and Snickers and Milky Way. Uh, but which of these is not a real variety of the Mars bar? A, 
Mars Maple from Canada, Mars Honeycomb from Australia, Mars Lava from Australia, Mars Red from Australia, and Mars exclamation mark from Australia. The Australians really like Mars bars. They seem to. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Mars Honeycomb, but maybe that's wrong. Maybe it might be wrong. Oh, it's wrong. I, I don't know. It, He's just saying maybe. It's maybe. You want to do the here? Let, do the options one more time to give her a chance to think. Uh, maple, honeycomb, lava. Also, I just red, want to talk about chocolate. Exclamation mark. Well, see, maple feels right. Like that feels like that would be Canada's. Yeah. And but does I guess Australia doesn't really have? Do they have volcanoes? I don't know. Lava just sounds so like something you would name a candy bar, though, and people would be interested in trying what lava tastes like. So then I feel like I'm between honeycomb, which just feels like possible, but in that way, when you're taking a trivia quiz, you're like, seems possible, but why does Australia have honeycomb? And at this Um, point, this whole quiz has been nonsense, but here you are asking a question that's real. (laughs) Yes. And then the last one is Mars exclamation point. Uh, That's correct. Hmm. But that also feels like really possible as like a promo. Um, an extra something, but since you didn't seem seem upbeat about choosing the honeycomb one, I'll I'll try the exclamation point one. That is correct. I I made that one up. You got you got that. That was the hardest question, and it had more answers than usual. So I just assumed you would get it wrong. What am I thinking? You got it. Yeah, there's no Mars exclamation point. But now that I've looked up all these varieties, I really want to try all of them i really want to try lava like me what too is that? Is it spicy or does it have extra caramel in it that makes it we all need to go look it up after this um but i also want to know why australia just loves mars bars varieties okay last question you're four for four by the way um all right question five why is mars red why is mars red Option um, A. Oh, oh. what? Well, yeah. No, Sorry. you go. Give me these I put a long pause. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, a, the oxidized iron that is contained in its rocky surface presents a red color. Uh, B, it's still so angry at Jupiter. Uh, C, it turns out that even though there's no flowing water on Mars, the whole surface is Nestle strawberry milk. Uh, or D, it's constantly blushing because it's embarrassed by all the dust. Uh, he didn't know it would be getting so much attention this century or would have cleaned it up. I mean, as sciencey as B, C, and D sound, I have <laughs> to go with A, and then I think that that is a yeah. fact I read three years ago. And I think that you got it right. All right, Logan, put that sound in. That means somebody got five out of five. Great work. Good, Good job. job. Thanks for uh, putting up with that. All right, Jasmine, that brings us to our Word of the Week segment where we try to figure out what a crazy word means. And it's just a bunch of guessing. So um, we have this, uh, this, well, he's a troll. He's a bookstore troll. He lives in the basement. He's kind of a recurring character on this podcast. He, along with our um, our bookstore, with our Word of the Week printer, which became animated, came alive, went on vacation, the bookstore. It's a whole thing. So now they live in the basement of the bookstore. And 
he stole the word of the week dictionary that we created thinking if we had a dictionary, this whole thing would be easier. Anyway, he's been holding the word of the week dictionary hostage in the basement to the bookstore. And Graham has been negotiating every week how mm. to get the word of the week. Graham, where do we stand on that? What did he ask for this week? Yeah, very amenable. Gar- Gargle is the name of our bookstore troll named by some of the, the listeners. Yeah, he is. They're very amenable. They never asked for too, too much. So he just wanted like a whole dump truck uh, full of paint. So he, I went ahead and... He's going to want Mars bars. He's going to want Mars bars. Oh, that'd be better because then we could try it. Yeah, I tried to use your credit card, the 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 bookstore credit card. It wasn't working, so I just I had to take out a, another credit card in your name. But we got it done. Oh, we got the word. Okay, um, uh, he's well, got his. Well, paint. We should discuss that off the air. Okay, so he got. He no, got we don't the, need to. <laughs> so he got the paint. <laughs> so over the last few weeks, he's asked for like wood, nails, uh, a lot of paper, paper, paint. Okay, there's something going on. We're gonna have to figure that out. Anyway, so you got the word of the week. Oh, yeah. Here you go. Okay. All right. Thanks. Okay. So let me just open this piece of paper up. And, uh, oh, okay. Um, our word of the week is half pace. Okay. So that seems like it should be easy. I have a feeling that it's not going to be. It's H A L F P A C E, half pace. And I'll give you a hint that we've never done before. It says here it's a noun. That was nice of the uh, the troll to tell us that it's a noun. So a half pace. What do we think a half pace is? We're going to take a minute. We're going to write down what we think it is. We'll come back and we'll, we'll give the answers. I'm going to half pace around the room for a minute. Okay, we are back. It's time to figure out what the word half pace actually means. As is our custom. Graham, you go first, then I will go, and then we'll let our special guest go before we reveal the true meaning of you the word say, half-pace. A, you say, as is our custom, and then usually you say, like, you just pick a random person. That's what I've been noticing this season. I don't think that's true, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't. All right, a half-pace. Um, okay, so it is a noun. They got yeah, That is correct. Um, it's an uh, Half-pace is an ancient Anglo coinage, similar to a half-penny, but the half pace you could only spend on uh, things that consist of caramel, nougat, and coated in milk chocolate. Okay. Okay. It sounds like it's that sounds like a coinage that was invented just specifically through capitalism. Like some <laughs> large corporation invented new coins specifically for their products. That's right. Okay. Well, I think you're overthinking it personally. I think half pace is just a half a jar of paste salsa. <laughs> Specifically medium. Mm. But I will say that might be influenced by the fact that I eat a lot of salsa. Jasmine, what do you think a half pace is? So I wrote down a slow and leisurely walkabout, um, often on red colored planets. Oh, that has to be it. Do you think... Or like the speed at which a rover would move on Mars. Half pace. Mm. Mm. Well... If that's not it, that's better than whatever the real one is, I have a feeling. Okay, uh, let's see. I'm going to flip this over. And a real half pace is... Ancient Anglo coinage. Right? <laughs> it, I apologize for this, Graham. It is not an ang- ancient Anglo coinage. Mm. <laughs> it, was actually, it was actually pretty funny. Excuse me, but I can't believe there is an actual word for this. It is a platform of a staircase... 
where the stair turns back in exactly the reverse direction of the lower flight. That's called a half pace. Like the the landing? A platform of a staircase where the stair turns back in exactly the reverse direction of the lower flight. Um, I'm not sure I can even visualize this. Yeah, I'm trying to think. The lower... It sounds like the landing. Like you go up and you turn around, you go up to the next floor, like in between floors. So somewhere along the way, they were they were thinking, half pace. Doesn't seem like it. Let's just call it a landing. <laughs> maybe that's what happened. Then. They yeah, just changed maybe, the word. Maybe English has corrected itself on this one. <laughs> or maybe, you know, we have a segment on here, uh, Jasmine, where we, we talk about lazy words. Graham brings a word that is kind of like, it could have been a better name. We should have something better for like, one of them is actually space. It's just yeah, space. We had this amazing thing out there. We just called it space. Maybe landing is actually moving towards too lazy compared to half pace. Maybe so. Well, Jasmine, thank you for playing along with this game as well. Um, it's always good to add something new to our uh, to our vocabulary. Before we go, we've got a couple questions for you. First of all, is there anything that you are working on right now that you can tell anybody about, that you can share a little bit of news or maybe just preview a little bit about, maybe tell us what you're researching. Well, I can tell you what I'm working on right now, but the thing about books is that there's no guarantee that they are going to be the book that I talk, that I'm describing Mm. right now Mm. um, until I finish the book and I provide the book with my editor. So I can tell you a little bit about the book, but if in two years... I have a new book and it sounds nothing like this description. I want you to know that that was not in bad faith. That was that at this very moment in time, this is what I think that this book is. Well, um, if that happens, we'll just have you back on and you can talk about that book and there won't no worries. And what story. happened to the other one? Yeah. 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 So um, right now, I actually, I do, I have two different projects I'm working on and I'm kind of trying to sort out which one is going to be my next book. But as of this moment, I, the book that I'm getting the most called to is actually my first mystery. So it's a middle grade mystery. Oh, cool. Um, and it's about a little boy. Well, I guess he's not that little. He's like 11 um, and an art museum and a painting that goes missing from the art museum and a ghost mm. who uh, resembles a person who's in the painting that has gone missing and the connections um, between all of them. That book sounds just like right up my alley, like the most <laughs> David book there could be. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Well, I hope that I'm able to figure it out. So and maybe <laughs> I will work the word half pace into it. Somehow. Yeah, there you go. Nice. There you go. Um, okay, last question before we let you go um, work on that book or pick up your kids or whatever you need to do next. <laughs> um, we like to ask what advice you have for the kids who are listening who want to be writers. And what, what do you think about that? I'm sure you've thought about this. Yeah. So I'm going to say two things. And the first thing is something that I know everyone has already heard before, but can never be stressed enough, which is to read and to read as much as possible. And truly the best writers I know are even better readers. And Mm. the best, the the writers in my life who I admire and am friends with are always the ones who give me the best reading recommendations. Too. So this is proven to be true in my real life of not only did they read a lot when they were younger, trying to learn how to be a writer, but they are reading a lot um, today and reading outside of their own genre, learning from all different types of writers. The other thing that I want to say is that if you are someone who's listening and wanting to know how to get better at writing, 
I want you to stop calling yourself an aspiring writer. If you write, Mm. you're a writer. And I think the best, one of the biggest turning points in any writer's career is when you learn to own that label of being a writer and having the confidence to say, I'm a writer. Because for so long, I was waiting for somebody to tap me on the shoulder and tell me that I'm a writer. And I'm here Mm. to tell you that moment never happens. That moment never happens, even if, you know, you have a book that does really well, or you have a book that wins an award, or you are able to sell another book. You're always going to have that self-doubt. And so learning how to call yourself a writer and believe that you're a writer and believe that you can tell the stories that you want to tell will serve you really well. So that's Mm. the challenge that I would like to present to all of you who are writers to stop calling yourself aspiring writers and to introduce yourself just as writers. Mm. That is definitely one we haven't heard before. I like that. Great advice. Well, Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on on the show and you know, letting Graham you know, ask you strange questions like like he did, but That was kind of the best quiz about Mars ever. Now I feel <laughs> like really great about my research. I think I don't understand why NASA hasn't called me yet. I mean, <laughs> yeah, amazing on that quiz. So. Well, they, well, maybe after this, <laughs> yeah, out in the world. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, good luck with the, with the new projects and uh, good luck with all of the books that are already out there. Um, and we're just grateful that you came on. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is so fun. Well, Graham, that was our conversation with Jasmine Warga. I hope everybody enjoyed that as much as we did. Did you, uh, did you, uh, did you learn a lot about Mars? I learned some about Mars. Yeah, you, like, you learned some suspect information about Mars. We'll say that. Yeah, I've got a. Um, I may have to go uh, dig a little deeper to figure out exactly which yeah. questions you asked were rooted in truth and which were just trying to trick. You know, her. you know, it's a thing with your quizzes. They're tricky. Mm, they are tricky. Sometimes they trick me. Uh, you know, the best way to get to the bottom of the truthiness of any of those Mars questions would yeah. be to get yourself on the next trip to Mars. And it's probably not the next trip to Mars is probably not a manned trip. We haven't done that yet. It's right. probably another Rover trip, but just yeah. stow away. You know, you want, you want me to stow away on a Rover with no other people. Yeah. And then like, it'll drop the Rover down to the planet. You'll, that'll be trickier. You'll have to, I'm going to be honest. Really I'm a little, bit unsure of how to take this and how we what's going on with our relationship right now so i may need to think about this for the next couple of weeks and then uh, well fine yeah if we i I don't don't if you decide not to go through with this at least we could have the kids draw a picture of david on a uh rocket headed to mars or maybe david on mars what's david doing on mars what is yeah, he what doing? am I doing on Mars? Is he using the rover as like a flat top griddle, cooking burgers on top of it? What Maybe is he he's doing? my buddy. Maybe we're is playing he, soccer. Is he just riding around on top of it, looking at the dust particles? Maybe, maybe I'm using it for some shade. Uh, maybe he's just calling back to NASA and being like, I don't see any water. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of possibilities close. here. Yeah, a lot of possibilities here. Bring me back home, please. So please send us those images. We are gathering uh, uh, lots and lots of your drawings from like the past two years. And we're going to be posting them on our Substack. stack. Yeah, um, some of our favorites. That's right. Just every once in a while, we'll, we'll throw out some. So if you draw them, draw, draw something, there's a good chance it's going to end up um, being posted there. And you can find that link at withywindle.substack.com. Or click the link in the show notes. It should be there as well. Exactly. All right, Graham, that brings us to this week's riddle as we conclude 
the fourth episode of the fifth season. Last week, we talked about a, a clothing store that has a particular system for uh, pricing its items. A vest costs $8, socks cost $10, a tie costs $6, and a blouse costs 12 So using the owner's method, how much would a pair of underwear cost? Did any kids get this right, Graham? Uh, yes, there was, a, there was, was a tricky one. I had to send yeah. a few emails saying, mm, maybe guess again, uh, but any riddle involving math, uh, math. It's always a little tricky, yeah. It has yeah. a little bit of a trigger, but I think the majority of people said that Methuselah J. Carl, if you recall, <laughs> uh, spent $18 on his underwear. Ding, ding, ding. That is the correct answer. Because the method that he is using is charging $2 for each letter needed to spell out the clothing item. So a vest with four letters costs 8 bucks. Socks with five letters cost 10 bucks. A tie only has three letters, and thus it costs 6 bucks. Underwear all the way up to $18, because there are nine letters in the word underwear. That was last week's real bad. Good job to everyone who got that. It's a very strange way to run a business, but he's going to do what he's going to do. Wait, wait. Seems like it's as good as any other one. The proprietor or the shopper, or did we just conflate them? I don't know. Who knows? Well, you've officially confused me now. (laughs) Torture, torture, torture. (laughs) Okay, that brings us to to our riddle to conclude this episode. Uh, Graham, have you ever been to lunch? (laughs) no tell me more okay so it's a meal where you go to a restaurant and they give you food and it's generally between Uh, like the hours of 11 a.m and 3 p.m you often will go with somebody else maybe the food's a little bit lighter than than like a dinner which is a little heavier is this ringing the bell yeah i yeah it just threw me off for a minute i pronounce it lunch so oh okay okay lunch is great we'll go with lunch this time okay so this is about some people eating lunch um (laughs) Sounds like a lunch of fried loons. <laughs> it's at a restaurant called the Lunch Pail. Um, <laughs> okay, so this is, this is kind of the scenario. Wednesday, Steve and Pam go to a restaurant to eat lunch. One of them has shrimp tacos, piled high, tons of shrimp with some, uh-huh. with some uh, Mexican rice on the side. Um, okay. Real big lemonade. You know, they, they share some chips and salsa. There's just a bunch of stuff kind of going around the table, you know, like, kind of like tapas style, small plates. Uh, after eating lunch, they pay the bill. But Steve and Pam, they don't have to pay the bill. So who does? Wait, what? They don't have to pay the bill? Nope. Someone else does. Who does? I don't know. Oh, it's a riddle. Yeah, yeah. You I felt like I was getting right grilled now. like it was a test. I got really torture, torture, torture. (laughs) Oh, I I don't know. And I'm excited to find out when somebody else figures it out. That's not. And they email us in at podcast at goldberrybooks.com. That is correct. Do you think I need to say it one more time? Yeah, do it again. I'm, I, I, I I genuinely have no clue. So Wednesday, Steve and Pam go to the lunch pail for lunch, where they eat a wide variety of foods. After eating lunch, lunch, they pay the bill. Steve and Pam, they don't pay the bill. So who does? That's the question. Very tricky. Very tricky. Now, Graham, we should tell the kids, they're going to have two weeks to do these various things that we're asking of them. The drawings, the answering the riddle, and solving our lazy word problem. And and in fact, that is such a bad lazy word that probably having two weeks to put in the labor, probably a good idea. That is because we are taking a week off next week. Uh, It's our mid-season break. I will not even be in America. I will be 
in a different country across the ocean. And so we will be taking a break and we'll be coming back after that with four more wonderful episodes. And then uh, we'll see what other bonus content we provide for you this summer over on the Substack. WillieWindle.substack.com. I completely forgot about this. This is your... This is that excursion you've been talking about a long time where you are going to Germany to learn right from the source how to become a licorice farmer. Is that correct? Well, Graham, I was really hoping that you were not going to publicly share that that's where I, that my, that, that the fact that I've been saying uh, that I'm going to England is, uh, is just a cover up for my uh, licorice empire plans. But you have really screwed that up. So, I won't, oh, torture, torture, <laughs> torture. I'm sorry. I won't. Hey. I, I won't spill the beans that you're also you're using it for research for that licorice uh, book that you're hoping to publish. Torture. It's cool. Torture. No, really. Will you eat? Another, speaking of beans, will you eat another jelly bean before we go? Yes. What color? You pick the color. Uh, I want it to be um, the. I want it to be brown. That's sausage again. Oh, oh okay. no, wait, no, it could be vomit. Oh, no, I was just sick this week, and I don't want you to have to go through that. Okay, let's do um, orange. Orange, okay. Let me look at the chart here. Orange. Tell me what the color, to, orange or blue? Whatever is the possibility yeah, for the no, most like torture blue. without uh, blue? Blue. What are the options for blue? Okay, he's got it in his mouth. He's chewing. Torture, torture. Oh, he's doing a dance again. This is oh, lame. But I also got the wrong one. Oh. As blue was either mean? blueberry or toothpaste. And I like toothpaste. Oh, you got toothpaste. So it's just mint. Yeah, I love it. Well, no, it tastes okay. like toothpaste. Mint. Okay. Now, as we sign off, I want you to take a handful of four or five and just throw I, them all in your mouth. I know, like, improv is... Scaredy cat. Scaredy cat. Scaredy cat. Scaredy cat. Scaredy cat. Scaredy cat. <laughs> all right well that was fun this has been a fun episode uh thanks to everyone for listening don't forget that you can uh contribute to the conversation at withywindle.substock.com you can also leave us a review on whatever podcast app you're using please help us spread the word and thanks to jasmine warga for coming on and for our two sponsors for sponsoring if you would like to buy either of those books you can do so in the show notes with that i am david kern and i am graham pittman goodbye <laughs> what